You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, episode 58, with special guest Jeremy McDonald from Wildfire Cigar Company. This is Deep Cuts Live. Well, I'd like to interview different people from the cigar industry, and today I have Jeremy McDonald, who is the owner of Wildfire Cigar Company, and he is the first person that I've had on the first version of Deep Cuts on this version, so thank you for subjecting yourself to this again. Woo! It's like now last time you were on. And, and there's no line, and then they're like, do you want to go on again? And you're like, yes, I do. But I'm not saying there's no line for your show. I'm saying that it's like the second go round. Like it's because last time we were dressed up. I was about to say last time you were on the the Halloween show, which was pretty funny. And it got a lot of views. (laughs) Yeah, I was dressed up as Clarly the Clown. And you were um, wearing that rad mask that the old medicine. I forget what they're called. Yeah, the I call it the Plague Doctor. I think that was the name of the. um, Yeah, yeah. Of the costume, plague doctor, which I felt was plague very doctor. What <laughs> plague? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was looking back at pictures that uh, a couple of the, uh, on Halloween because I didn't dress up as anything this year. So I was like, I was like, here goes like a little slideshow of uh, you know things from from years past, and uh, that was definitely you see like all my my iterations of Halloween costumes, and it's like. One year I was like a Spartan soldier. Another year I was a, a sailor, and the then I was Dorothy like a wrestler. Was on point. I was about to say. Then like that that year I did the the Dorothy, and then I did the uh, Princess Leia. So yeah. and then it was like I, Plague I, Doctor. <laughs> so it was like such a weird pr- progression. I didn't up this year either though. So you I but I did hand out candy, but like. I just, I don't know, too much. I was gone on the road last week, and then I got home, and I was like, I don't got time, and I'm not going anywhere. So I just, I was like the old crouchy man. But I was hooking kids up. I mean, like, I was hooking them up. Like, these kids came, and I'm like, hey, because I'm on this weird, like, corner, and, like, they were, like, bypassing me. Because I wasn't leaving my candy out because I wanted to interact with them and see, like, their costumes. So anyone who came to the door, I was like, yo, I'm the coolest guy on the block. And I was dropping, like, handfuls. And and these little girls were like, I'm like, you can come back. I'll give you more. So they, like, immediately walked out and then came back. And I gave them more. And then they were like, well, we could take all of it. And I was like, well... <laughs> Other kids might come, so let's not get too like. You're you like, know. don't go crazy yet. Like, let's yeah. give it a moment. <laughs> but they came back like 45 minutes later, and my little one was back, and like, she was like snuggled up on the couch, and we were watching some cheesy, uh, you know, spooky thing. And they came, and I just took the bowl, and <laughs> so they got like, they're gonna come to my house every year now. That's for sure. We didn't hand out. I went over to my mom's house, so she didn't hand out any candy. And we were sitting there watching. Uh, this sounds weird, but we were sitting there watching Batwoman on the from the CW, <laughs> and like we turned all the lights off because we were like, we don't want any kids to come up here. And we were sitting there, and all of a sudden we hear like the ding dong, and you can see through the mom, my mom the front door of the house. And we were all sitting there like completely still, like what's like why are they? All right, yeah, exactly. So I like, I, and then the dog was laying there asleep and it kind of like looked up briefly and uh, it, we were just like, yeah, we're not doing that this year. We just, it was just too much, but. I'll tell you what, growing up, like Halloween was never really a thing for me because like my parents were conservative is not the right word because I, I don't even know what you call that, but um, they used to like, because we had one of those doors where the mail slot was in the door, right? So you could, so like they would tape cardboard over it and then write no candy. Like they were so adamant against not 
participating in Halloween because it was the devil's holiday that like my childhood was robbed from me is what I'm saying. And, oh, I know uh, how you feel. Cause my, my mom was like that. So it was yeah. like around 1992, she said, uh, so like, if you want to go out trick or treating, you can, but it's the devil's holiday. So you're just going to be celebrating. Like, the, so I was like, well, I guess not. So I remember like the first, like 1992, I remember staying home and everybody else was out trick or treating. And I was sitting there watching on Fantasia and, it was so boring that I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep. <laughs> That's what I did. I was like, I can't take this. This is torture. Um, I, so. I do remember the first time I was in high school was the first time I went trick or treating. And I didn't know how it was done because it seems so simple. But if you've never been exposed to it, then how do you know? Right. So like I sat up, I, I was like, well, I don't really want to walk door to door because I'm at that age where maybe I'm too old, but I really want to participate. So me and my buddy, I guess this, when you think about things you've done in the past, they're probably not appropriate for like what is acceptable nowadays, Mm -hmm. but we dressed up like homeless people and made cardboard signs that said, please give us candy. And we just sat on the corner of his street and we got very little candy, but we did get some bucks. <laughs> well, that works. Uh, I guess it's, it's a win uh, to some degree, at least. Yeah, I mean, made some cash. It's like, oh, I'm on to something. Just need this to happen every day. So now but for yeah. those people who are watching, no, this isn't going to be all about Halloween, obviously. But I think that was a nice icebreaker because I always like to have an icebreaker um, before you get into all the, the deep questions of deep cuts. Um, so you recently started your own cigar company, which I guess my the, the first good kind of kickoff question is like, why would you want to start a cigar company right now? And for those people who don't know, like there's so many hurdles, it seems like, to just have a cigar company period right now, and especially to be kind of new to the scene. So what was what was going through your head how long how far back did this kind of idea kind of date and what kind of made you decide to finally take that leap i mean that's multifaceted right because there's there like why because i'm a glutton for punishment you know like no but i mean i mean back when i think everyone that works in this industry gets like starry eyed, like someday I want to have my own line. Like, just like if you were like an actor, right. Doing, you would want to be in a big play. If you were like doing Broadway, you want to make it onto like Broadway or you want to be in a blockbuster movie or something. Right. So it makes sense. Like, it's kind of like, why are we in this? Like, so it's, it seems like the next progression that you would eventually get to, but um, it, so I think when I started alongside with Rob with Caldwell, we had talked about like me doing some blends. And every time I went to the Dominican, like I messed around with stuff with Henderson Ventura, but, but it was all out of just like personal enjoyment. Um, But the seed started in, I would say like around the trade show of 2018. And uh, I was just, I had hit kind of this, what is it? I guess an epiphany or like a milestone. Like I knew something needed to change for myself. Um, you know, I had watched my uh, my oldest daughter grow up from afar, like working on the road. And, um, you know, I, I was it was just wearing on me. It was really wearing on me because I had a young uh, daughter and I was like, you know, I'm missing all this for what, like, why, why is this worth it? And then, um, so I had a conversation with the other partners at Caldwell and just kind of told them where I was at. And I was like, I think this is my last hurrah. Like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to, I can do this. And I was like, I think I'm done with the industry. Um, like I just want more out of life than, spending my life away working just to, you know, 
make someone else wealthy. You know, and I don't mean that as an insult, but it's like, you know, you got to have worker bees, right? And the queen, like, so it started in 2018 and then um, 2019, it really started to set in around Christmas time. And I was like, I, I need to do something. And um, I wasn't exactly sure of what, but um, I just decided, like, I talked to some friends, some mentors, people that I trusted. And I was like, I, I'm either going to leave this industry or I got to do the next thing. I got to evolve. And I decided on the evolve because, like, I don't want to go back to school. And, like, I don't want to, like, st- start all over, you know. And it just, it's something I love. I do love this industry as like, like you explained the hurdles and all the things that it's a horrible time to start a company. Um, but it's also a great time depending on how you like, you know, there's two sides to the coin. Right. So, um, and, uh, you know, really started working on it 2020 and as made mention before, um, in our, interview we did that uh yeah i talked to rob and told him where i was at and they gave me their like blessing and support so i just like got to work on it behind the scenes and um you know getting a factory on board getting investors on board just doing that whole thing and uh you know i it it, now i have a cigar line so i mean like (laughs) it's kind of surreal in some ways because like I know it, it was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it for myself and for my kids. Like I want them to see that they can, you know, whatever they want to do that they can go for it. Like, and you worry about the monetization is secondary. Like if you, if you, I'm a firm believer in that, right? Like if you work really hard, I'm not, it, you may not become rich off of it, but that, what do you want out of life? You know, I mean, that, that's, I guess, the the deeper question of the deep cut, right, is like, what do I want out of life? I want to enjoy it. I love, like, my daughters. I love my friends. I love this industry. So, like, I was like, I'm going to make my, uh, I'm going to try to make my mark, you know, and and go for it. So, I disregarded all the negatives because there's always going to be negatives regardless whether it's our industry or anything else there's always reasons not to do it but like you got to do something that drives you and i feel like a motivational speaker right now well i feel like a lot of people can relate especially within the cigar industry because at sometimes at some point um i don't want to say you get burned out but you do kind of hit a plateau where you're just like you get burned what's out. <laughs> you're like, what's what's next? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter what level you're at or what job position you're at. I mean, it happens on the media side. It happens on the manufacturing side, on the retailer side. You just hit this this moment where you're just like, ugh, you know, and it's not, you're just tired of the same thing. So I can understand you kind of hitting that point where you're just like, okay, something needs to get need to vary it up or something, or I can't keep doing the same treading water bit. Yeah. And like, I had like a couple different companies that had like approached me and kind of wanted to do the same thing, like have me be a national sales manager. And it just like, just wasn't interested in it. Like, because like I had put myself into Caldwell and, and like myself into it, like my blood, my sweat, my time, my energy, and to help build it what it is. And I was like, I cannot do this for someone else, nor do I want to do. It's like being in a, and I don't mean it was, and this isn't a negative comment towards Caldwell, but it's like being in a loveless relationship where you're like constantly giving, you know, because you want it so badly, but you're not getting the reciprocation. And, and it was like having these other companies approach me and offer me more money was super flattering. But I was like, bro, I'm not your guy. I promise you. Like you think I'm your guy, but I'm not because like you put me in a suit, you you do like and and you want me to play the role, 
and I won't do it very well. Like you'll have me on for six months and then realize like that I work best when I'm authentically myself and when I'm most comfortable and, and I want some, wanted something different for the industry, you know, like I didn't want to just make another cigar. It is just another cigar, but I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want something more than like just being a cigar brand, you know, like the latest thing on the shelf. Cause like that's, that lasts for five minutes and then there's something else. So there has to be something more substantial or substance behind it. I think in order for it to work nowadays, I don't think that you can just come out with a cigar and just cause people know you like it work, there has to be something more to it, you know? So that's what I'm hopefully trying to do. And I know I ask you this a lot, but you know, when you talk about selling a cigar, there are those brands that feel like all they need is a good Instagram account and just like pop out a picture and that's going to like drum up the interest, you know, but to me that doesn't really sell a cigar. And I'm sure as you're as a national sales manager <laughs> could say that, you know, just having a good Instagram or back in the day, a good Twitter presence or a good Facebook page isn't going to be enough to keep to sustain you for long. Like social media is important, of course, but it has it, it has its limits. It seems when it comes to selling a cigar. Yeah, I mean, that's all the cool factor. But like, you know, having pictures posted of your stuff is cool as far as it like publicity or marketing, right? It's getting it out there, but you can't monetize it. It's not selling a cigar. Like that's still very much in like hand to hand, you know, interaction, you know, and I think that's why like I'm crazy enough to do it is because I know what it will take for myself to get the you know, the cigars out there. And if you just think because like you're relevant or made a good cigar that that's enough, it's not. And there's no guarantee that my strategy is going to work either. I'm just going to work really hard and make it work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, like we touched on about being yourself and knowing that you weren't going to be a good fit for some of these other companies that approached you. I think that happens a lot too, because, you know, there's like this old school mentality in the industry where it's the suits and the ties and the, you know, expensive spirits and, and all this stuff. And then there's like, I don't want to say the reality, but then there's like this, like the everyday person who is like, <laughs> they're not the suits, you know, they're, you know, kind of what we're wearing today. And, and that's that's the reality. And they go into a cigar lounge and they just want to sit there and, and hang out and chat with people. They don't care about the status. Um, but it's like the, the manufacturers sometimes have like a weird thing where they don't know how to be authentic, maybe, and how yeah. to speak to people. And they're kind of afraid to, like, you know, make it seem like almost like if they are just there in a T-shirt, then people might associate, you know, that their brand or their cigars are not premium or something weird like that. Yeah. I remember this conversation years ago. <clears throat> I was at a store doing some like something and I was talking with one of, I'll, I'll use like heritage brands. We'll say that. And they were talking about like, they were very interested in what we had done kind of with the whole guerrilla marketing thing for Caldwell. And they were like, Oh, yeah, like we're looking at doing this and more edgy stuff. And, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, that doesn't work, man. We're not in a day and age where people will be sold. Like you can't be the used car salesman anymore. And they were like, and I was like, it worked for us because it's authentically us. I'm like, if you start doing that, then it's going to be completely transparent that you're just trying to go after a demographic that you don't have in your portfolio. And I was like, I agree that the perception or persona needs to be revamped of your company. But like, I'm like, you can't do it the same way. Like we have, we have, cause it wouldn't be authentic, you know? And, and like, it was just such an interesting thing because like, you know, 
these brands are noticing and they're like, oh, okay, what are these guys doing? Let's start doing this. And it's like, yeah, but if it's not you, then like, you know, it, it's like just the latest and greatest pop song. It'll sell, but like, you know, where's the soul? You know, like if we've heard the same song a hundred times, you, you clothe it in something else, you give it a new look. It's the same shit. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but <Same> poop. <laughs> but yeah, but and in when we were doing an interview for the magazine, you know, you talked about you gave a good example of where I think the question was something about describe, you know, boutique and the boutique approach. And you were saying, you know, that in the you, you compared the cigar industry almost to like the record industry where you know, you have these big labels and they they watch the trends and then they try to pick up on those trends and replicate it, you know, package it in their own kind of artists or in this case, a, a product, you know, do you think, I mean, obviously you think obviously that that happens, but it just seems funny to me that it's all goes back to this authenticity um, discussion. And sometimes you just need to be yourself. So these brands need to like really figure out who they are. And if you are that, you know, high lifestyle brand, then I think you should just be that. <laughs> you should just like play it out. But if you're not, then you shouldn't. But it's so many people just trying to capture. I mean, they look on Instagram and they see somebody has, you know, 12,000 followers. And that's kind of like the average, I think, for a lot of brands that I've seen on Instagram cigar wise. And they try to, to pick up on that. And they try to be th that person or they try to be that brand. And it's like, it doesn't work like that. No. What what I think is super interesting is like, so you had me announce, right? And then just behind, and we, we knew Herclox was coming back to the industry because that was already, but like he debuted his line. And what I love about it is like, I'm, I'm not like intimately close with him at all. Like I've met him a multitude of times but like incredibly solid dude but you see very different brands between mine and his right mm -hmm. and his is in my opinion i'm not going to say more highbrow because our quality our products are both of the same quality right and but we have a completely different image based on who we are but his is completely authentic to him and like Michael can put on the three piece and the scarf and look phenomenal. When I put on a three piece, it's a corduroy three piece, right? And it's like more like my own take on it, right? But I'm much more like comfortable like this. And I think our brands actually reflect that, right? And that it doesn't mean, you know, being authentic to yourself is that you're like only blue collar or you can't go for the upper echelon of like the industry it just means that it has to be authentic to you and like my street cred that got me to where i am is different than his experiences of his street cred that got him there but his is in the nat sherman the davidoffs and the like the very old world of like tobacco but it's true to him like it, he represents it and like mine is more the like you know I'm like Bruce Springsteen singing about, you know, Youngstown, you know, because like, that's who I am, but they both have a place and it doesn't mean one, they won't cross over, but I, I thought it was really cool when I watched his brand drop and it's like, I love that we're both kind of starting our journey, even though I don't necessarily know him very well, all my interactions with him and like everything I know about him is like that brand is authentically him you know what i mean like and that's what will work you know because people will identify with that or they'll identify with me or they'll identify with another brand like you know there's something we're like at the strip club right someone's gonna think we're hot <laughs> <laughs> eventually eventually after a couple of drinks you know or whatever mood you're in you're like, wow, man, Jeremy's looking really good. How many have you had? <laughs> Perfect. Come meet him. <laughs> now, when you talk about like Herclots and the Ferriotego uh, brand, it like you said, it's kind of like a weird 
time in the industry because we're going through like a second boom in the industry, like, and it's kind of brought on by the pandemic and people being at home and having more time to smoke and, you know, they weren't going to lounges. Now that's kind of changing a little bit, but I mean, what do you, I mean, what's it like being in the industry right now? Cause I think a lot of people see the Instagram and you don't really get a, a good idea of what's really going on. Um, you see, and you read the different blogs and stuff like that. And every now, every year we have some type of drama in this industry that <laughs> just makes you think like, wow, this industry is really just like all over the place. But I don't think it's that all over the place. It's just, it's almost like, you know, a lot of the media focuses on whatever is going to make news and bring in clicks and stuff like that. So, you know, they're going to focus on certain things and really harp on that. But what's the industry as somebody who's been in the industry and working in the industry, what's it really like? I mean, on the manufacturing end, it's tough right now because we're all like the problem is, is the increase of sales, though it's fantastic. The recovery of those sales is hard on the manufacturers because it's a product that takes months to cultivate. So you go like you have X amount of SKUs, they sell through, but you weren't prepared and projecting for that to sell that quickly. So now, and now it's an immediate catch up. You can't just like call the factory and say, send me more tomorrow. Maybe if you're a larger size company and you're vertical and you have that tobacco already stored, then it's easier to recover. But for most of us that are buying and sourcing tobacco from other people using a factory, um, there's their production schedule. You know, you, it's like you're a guest in their home. Yes, they're making your product, but like they have an agenda of what goes first and then the, the projects that they've taken on. And so it's a very difficult time. And, you know, because of the fact that whether it's the boxes, the bands or the cigars themselves being back ordered because people started smoking more during COVID and then now they're still smoking more. They're back to work, but instead of two cigars a week, they went up to, you know, six cigars a week and now they're at four as they've gone back to work. So it's rad because like it's, it's growing and that's like, that's a great thing. But the backside is that like, there is a ton of complication of just like, getting the fulfillment, getting the product out. Um, and then thirdly, the most important thing is like the best way to sell my product is to go out there and hand sell it and educate and talk to people and have conversations. And that's still kind of hard because even though like we've moved primarily kind of through the whole COVID thing, it's not done and different stores have different restrictions. So it's it kind of there's a limitation to how much you can do out there, you know, uh, and, and then the value of going out there. Like if I go out to another state, I have my costs getting out there, my travel, everything like that. And I need to make sure whatever I do at the shop justifies the expense of me getting there. And that's not really there right now, especially when I have a portfolio so small. So it's like, I'm having to look at it as kind of marketing, right? Like it's not monetizing itself right now but I need to get out there in whatever fashion I can. And so like there's hurdles and, and, and it's, and it's tough in the industry right now, but you know, but there's also like people are so starved myself included for like human interaction that like I have been loving, like going out and getting to like sit with people and have conversations and, and kind of just, Oh man, I missed that so much. Just the like everything being digital and everything being a Zoom or everything being like, like I'm enjoying this with you. But if we were, it would be way cooler to like hug you and be like, oh, you're actually physically there. Right. right. You know, like, because it's just that's how I am, you know. So it's been cool to, to go out there and, and have friends drive from different states. And like make it a thing to come out to some of these events I've done. And uh, like, I don't think I've ever driven multiple hours to go get a cigar. But 
but I think it's more of a testament to relationships, not the product itself. And I guess that is a good question. It's like, how do you market, how do you best market a cigar today? Because as you said, the in-person event has always been kind of at the forefront of the industry. And then we had COVID, which sidelined all of that kind of stuff. And then everybody switched over to digital stuff and everybody was like, yay, like this digital stuff, I can be in like so many different places and do all these interviews, um, you know, without leaving home. And now it's like, we're, we're back to like, 2020 maybe early 2020 or 2019 where it's like i'm gonna hit the road again and forget this digital stuff but then like you said you're only talking to like local pockets of people rather than kind of a a broad but the whole industry seems to be making that shift back to like like i said 2019 marketing methods yeah i mean it's hard because i don't want to be the brand because i don't want to do it and I, and it, because like, I don't want to go into stores and do the buy three, get one. And like all the like cliche things that we've seen and been a part of and done a hundred times over. Like, I don't find the value in that anymore. And, and like, I think 2020 changed, not just our industry, but changed everything. Right. And I think that we have an opportunity to reinvent, you know, like, like crisis, from crisis, you can have like, you get innovation. So part of my like platform is I don't want to like go in and do the like, let me sell you my cigar. I'd rather like create an environment where there can be an experience and watch. I guarantee, not that I'm the first guy to do this. I'm not, but I think in the way what I plan on doing is most definitely watch like it's it's i'm kind of hesitant to say what i intend to do because people with more money could implement it quicker and then it and like you know but at the same time it wouldn't necessarily be as authentic but like my entire thought is like let's just get together let's have experiences and my my, um target audience is not the retailers. It doesn't mean I'm not selling to brick and mortars and I'm building it through brick and mortars, but my focus is the consumer. And those like, and so the way of marketing, it it's like I'm marketing myself directly to the consumer by having relationships with people. And that's the platform, you know? And so I intend to like host events, but I'm going to host them. And anyone who wants to come be a part of it can come be a part of it. It's not a selling event. Like you, you pay $25,000 or whatever it is for an ad and aficionado. Cool. What, right. There's no way to monetize that. What if you took that money and actually put it out to an experience, you know, like wouldn't you much rather go play laser tag with someone than like, you know, a quarter page you read about them, which has more effect? Well, I think that's a good question because as being on the media side, I mean, that's a question we're we're always asking ourselves, you know, how do you, you know, and I guess that's a good question too, to go off of that. When you said you want to focus on the consumers, you know, a lot of companies are still, I don't know if they're really focusing on consumers. I mean, I think they, they try to, but you know, the press releases that we get for like the media, for example, is written, in my opinion, when I look at it, is written for a retailer. But not every retailer has, most retailers that I know have a very limited space. So unless you really have a good relationship with that retailer, I mean, they it's not like they just can like order whatever they really want. I mean, they have to have a space for it and they don't always have a space for it you know, just randomly, if they have a space in their humidor, like at any time of the year, it seems like something's like terribly wrong. Like they're out of product or something like that. Like I've never walked into a humidor where it's not, it doesn't look pretty much packed in. So it's like, you know, it seems like more companies should be focusing on how do you drum up that interest with the consumer and how do you do that outside of just posting on Instagram? (laughs) Right. And, and like, I mean, look, uh, any of us in this industry, like you're in the cigar industry, but you're not a like 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you enjoy cigars, but it's not an everyday it's it's thing for you. But like there, it has a place in your life, right? Right. You thumb through like your social media and how many pictures do you really want to see of a cigar with the staged, you know, on the cup, you know, with the whiskey. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. we get it. We get it. We've seen it a billion times, people. And then you post something like that, or I do, and it gets way more likes than something where I actually show personality coming through. Mm -hmm. But I think it's because, you know, it's just like the whole like monotony of like, oh, it's a cigar. Like, 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 you know, and it's like, if, if that's what you want, that's there. There are companies that, you know, that's the whole, you know, shtick. It's a hundred percent about product, right? So it's product placement for me. It's like social media is an opportunity to like showcase the brand, not necessarily the cigars, you know? And I think that that's where like, my, hopefully my interactions on social media show that is that like it's fun and and honestly it doesn't really matter like you know like me putting my face in like stupid bodies and just make is because it's like we're just taking ourselves too goddamn serious here like it's a cigar you know what i mean it changed it has changed my life being in this industry but like it's still just five leaves rolled together you know like I don't know how else to like put it. It's like, it, I don't, you know, I'm smoking one of my cigars, but it could be another cigar. It, it, we would be having the same experience, you know? Now going off of that, I think that's a good point to talk about your cigars because I think if you're new to the industry, sometimes we, a company comes out, you don't pay attention. They don't pay attention to where the cigars are made. Like your cigars are made by a pretty well-known factory, you know, which shows, and I'm sure that it was an investment on your part, but it's also to make sure that that quality is like where you wanted it. So like, tell us about where your cigars are made and how you came about choosing these blends and the names of the, of the blends that you uh, just released. So um, I'm working with Hoya de Nicaragua. And yeah, I mean, like when I set out to do this, I was like, who would I want to work with in an ideal world? Right. Because that's like, let me make my checklist. Right. And Hoya was at the top of that. They were the first factory I ever went to um, visit. Uh, they're the oldest factory in Nicaragua. And I think they're the most underrated factory. Like everyone knows them, but there's not like this buzz about them. And I think that they have proven themselves to be game changers in this industry and never really gotten the street cred that they deserve. Um, they've been doing hybridized tobaccos and the Lajeron and like that, was used in the Antonio and I think the dark Rojo or maybe just in the Antonio. Um, the thing is, is that they've been innovative and, and bringing cigars to the market and relevant cigars, but they're kind of a sleeper. Like people buy their cigars, but no one really talks about them. And, and if any time they do get brought up, a lot of the time it gets brought up under the umbrella or the thought of like Drew estate. Right. The, mm -hmm. the monster of the big companies, like not monster in a negative way. I'm just saying like large, mm -hmm. you know, and, and sometimes I feel like they've been looked at as kind of the redheaded stepchild, but they've been leading just quietly um, for decades in our industry. And they don't do many uh, smaller projects, boutique companies, upstart companies, you know, Dunbarton and Trust, Saka uses, um, I don't know if his whole portfolio, but like he used them. Fratello, you got Omar. And, and like, and these are really fine cigars that are out on the market. And I was like, man, if I could go to them, 
and I could get them aboard, this would be amazing for me because like they produce such high end quality cigars. I went to them and I said, I'd like to, you know, I'm doing a company, like starting a company. I'd like to talk to you about it. And at first they thought I was calling to like buy a lost and found project from them. Like they were like, well, we don't really. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like <laughs> I'm breaking away. And they were like, oh, and then they like vetted me. They asked, like we had a couple different interviews asking me like, you know, what my vision was and what I saw and what I saw the future of this company being that I wanted to start. And when they agreed it, like I made a joke and I was telling Erica when I did uh, her show, like I, when they like said like, all right, we'll make your cigars. I asked them for like an Adidas warm up because I felt like I had just been made like, you know, the mafia <laughs> because like they were like welcoming me into the family because they just don't, they're not interested in picking up like, stray cats they're not interested in one-offs they're interested in like putting their name behind something and the fact that they like agreed to do that for me and put their name behind what i was going to do like even before we had a blend was in my opinion like a pretty cool honor because it was like okay like i guess the 20 years in this industry have cultivated something like because they weren't just like the company that's like there are many factories that if you just throw money at, they're going to make you whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like, and they did not have that persona attached to them. When they agreed, then we just started with the, on the board, uh, working on the blends and we got to, uh, it had to be done all via mail because I couldn't get there during COVID. Um, and I think it shows a testament to them because I really wanted a specific profile and I really wanted to convey something through those cigars and like literally back and forth, back and forth through these, like, you know, we were able to come up with something that I wanted to put my name behind and they were willing to put their name behind it. And I like, I I'm stoked that I'm an upstart company and like, I got a legit, legit product, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not messing around with these cigars. Well, I am messing around, but you know what I mean? Now, like as a brand owner, do like, how are you going to measure the success of these? Like, is it going to be by um, like, so, like the kind of reviews that you get the cigar gets or the ratings? Cause I'm always curious about ratings and I always ask about that a lot because I'm not a fan of cigar ratings because there's no industry standard. <laughs> so one person's, one person's 93 is another person's 90. And, you know, you never see anything below a certain point. People are like, why? And I'm like, I have, I can, can't tell you. Um, I haven't figured out a good way of, of doing ratings. So all the magazines that I've worked with, I've always been on the, like the, the, the part of the team that says like, let's not do it. <laughs> Just because I think it's it's just it's just silly. I just think I always tell people just just try the cigar yourself and and see what you know see see what you like and what you don't like. Don't you shouldn't listen to one person's rating, um, or let one person one magazine or one blog or whatever like rate something and tell you this is good because everybody's palate is completely different. Mine being a novice is completely different from yours, you know, and so on and so forth. So I don't understand ratings other than it sometimes being tied to advertising and <laughs> and you know trying to you know get people excited about stuff um it just seems really strange and like i said there's no industry standard i have right. seen companies that have that do ratings for their own products which i like and i've seen you know and it's a very rigorous form like you know is, is the cigar firm all the way through you know is make making sure that all the quality points are good. And I understand that kind of rating, but that's not what I feel like lots of people are getting when they look at a rating from this magazine or that magazine or this blog or that blog or this person who's been smoking for, you know, 20 years compared to this person who's smoked for, you know, 10, 10 years or even a year. So. 
Well, nine out of 10 scuba divers prefer wildfire cigars over other brands. Just so you know, um, it's a, it's factual. Um, it's in Wikipedia. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know what? I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you, man. I, the way I gauge success is one, it, it's twofold. If there's a roof over my head and I'm happy, that's success, right? Like I, I, I the rest is all gravy, you know, like I, I don't, the success, like I'm going to make a cigar, the revivalist, you know, what I'm smoking right now, I knew going into it that this cigar was a specific style and it's what I wanted. And I knew it's not necessarily what the industry is asking for as far as, and I know that because I smoke everybody's stuff. So the profile that is the like leading of like the Nicaraguan with Esteli and the upfront spice and all that stuff, that's where the market is. And I did not create something that's within, it's within the wheelhouse, but it's a different cigar and it's going for a different experience. And I knew that like, and I was nervous about it too, because I was like, this is kind of dangerous to be like making something that's out of the box because this could backfire and fuck me. But, but people eat a different meal every day. Right. And people go to like fast food joints, not because they necessarily love it, but it's convenience and they know it. Right. They know if they're in this town or that town, if they go, it's going to be the same meal. And I think that that happens a lot in cigars. Like we've gotten so stuck in what is cigar, how, what it's supposed to taste. Cause this is what everybody wants. Well, maybe it's not what everybody wants. It's just what everybody's making, you know, like, and it, it goes to the whole music thing, right? A trend, you have a subgenre of music that starts get an underground scene that starts developing. And then you have, it starts getting notoriety and it starts changing society or like you know on a on a smaller level and then the big company labels come in with their subsidiary brand labels and they pick those guys up and they they replicate it a hundred times over until you can't listen to the radio anymore because you've heard a now modified version of what was like honest and authentic and now it's been popularized and manufactured and getting pumped out of a machine that's what happens with cigars too. So I was like, someone else will appreciate what I do. I just don't know how many people will. And like, it, it I'm going to keep going that direction. And I like, I don't need everyone to like it. I think it's a quality product. I stand behind it. Hoya stand behind it. Like, and it'll find its audience, you know, like, so it's a long winded way of saying success, which, you know, but that's how I wanted to kind of cut through is let me make a cigar. You can't reinvent the wheel, but you can, you know, change the look and the feel and like how, you know, and so I went for that angle, like, what do I want to smoke? What would make me happy? And like, I only need like two people. That's it. Just two people. And I'm good. But like, I guess for the ego aspect of it, if there was a rating, it would be like, oh, oh, that's super cool. Because let's not pretend that like it wouldn't be cool. But it also doesn't mean anything. Whether I got, uh, you know, get a rating or don't get a rating. And like someone uh, posted a review and it was my first one I saw and I watched it and I was like, oh, that's really cool. But honestly, like, what standard is that guy measuring it by? What is his right. power like? What qualifies him? Like, we're the only industry or like with consumables that doesn't have a standard. There's not a bar. Like, if you want to rate wine, you have to have rigorous training to be a certified sommelier. And then there's levels of that, right? And it's really intense. Ours, everyone is self-proclaimed experts. And that drives me crazy. Yeah, that's like one of my pet peeves because I feel like, especially on the media side, I feel like so many media sites and blogs and magazines that I see, they are all ratings and reviews. There's no 
like explanation of the scale <laughs> that they use. It's just, it's, it's usually just a listing. Here goes a picture of the cigar. Here goes the rating. You know, here goes the wrapper binder filler, yada, yada, yada. And then there's no real story behind the cigar. It's just, here goes a press release that, they, that the company sent us. You know, it's back, back out. Exactly what they sent us is going to be copy and pasted. Or we're just going to strip everything out. We're not going to run their quotes or anything that tells you, like, about the thing. We're going to just tell you the wrapper binder filler, <laughs> how much the cigar costs, and, you know, a few comments about who this person or company is, and that's that. And there's, like, no real storytelling anymore or, like, really getting into the brands. And that's yeah. what drives me crazy. So when everybody's, like, they always ask me, since I work on magazines, like, you know, when are y'all going to do ratings? I was like, never. I like, if I have anything to do with it. Because I would rather focus, have like, you know, five real good stories about a brand um, yeah. than to have a rating that just, you know, 20 different ratings and, and five pages of nothing but ratings because I don't think they have any impact. I just think people look at them and I don't, I've never known anybody to read something and go, oh my gosh, this company got a 93. I have to go out and get that cigar. They'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you know what's so funny is... I knew this was going to happen because like of my time with Caldwell and it happened, but more so with Caldwell, I was filtering the stuff that got to Rob. Right. Right. So because of social media and I'm in it, like you can approach, you can approach me, right. You can just write and I either respond or don't. Right. So many, I've already gotten so many people like sending me full entire like reviews of what they tasted in the cigar and all this kind of stuff. And it's like the whole thing I want to know is like, yeah, but did you like it? <laughs> like I I, if you want to say you got nutmeg off of the balls of a mule, that's <laughs> fine. But did you like it? Because I mean, maybe some people like nutmeg off the balls of a mule. I don't know. But for me, like I can go down that road and I enjoy nerding out, but I do that for myself. Right. And like so many like people are like, oh, I taste this and that. And, you know, and it's like I appreciate it because they have an interest in my product and they're willing. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't care. What I want to know is, did you enjoy it? And if you didn't enjoy it, why not? Like, what did you like or not like about it? And was it because the cigar itself or was it because the situation you were in? You know, if you're at a bachelor party, any cigar is going to taste good because it's a party. Right. If you're, you know, if if your wife just left you, your cigar is going to suck that night. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's never context that are actually the biggest weighing factors into our enjoyment of these things because they're social. So it's like. I wish people would look a little deeper and not deeper into like nutmeg and, you know, cinnamon and spice, but like, what's the experience you had? I would much rather hear someone say, dude, I went to a bachelor party and like there was 10 of us and we all smoked wildfire and we had a blast and like we did such and such. And they told me their adventure versus the cigar, what they got out of my cigar. But it's, it's like we've created as an industry this like space for like all these people to exist with their thoughts and they want to share all their thoughts on it. And it's like it, it's an annoyance for me because like I want to know the experience. I don't care about the logistics, mm -hmm. you know, and I agree with you 100 percent on the rating thing. Like, but if Cigar Aficionado wants to give me number one. <laughs> I'll say cool to that. No, I, like I, said, I guess, that's, that, that, but that is a, that's a hot topic that, you know, as we kind of draw to the, towards the end of our, our time together. But why do you think we don't see more like new brands and boutique brands and smaller brands on like the top 25 lists at the end of the year? Uh, Cause I, I see it as, as it streams. I'm not going to say which magazines, but there's some magazines or media sites that are like the top 25 and it will not be any, it, like you don't see Caldwell on there. You don't see room one oh one. You you don't see anybody uh, underneath. And then if, if 
if it's a big company and like they have not advertised in a while, you you won't see any of their cigars on it. It's just like it seems very tailored and it's hard to like accept that. And then you have the other extreme where it's like we're gonna create a top ten list that has like five different sections, like top twenty five, you know, big cigars and top twenty five boutique cigars, just to make sure we mention everybody. So that when we go out and get advertising next year, we can like show you this list. Like, why don't we see more like of the mingling? Like, is it as because you're you're on the inside? I'm yeah. just a media person. I can't tell you why. Um, I can tell you. You don't why. do that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I have no problem saying why. Like, this is the problem in our industry is that it's so much, and it's probably not very different from other luxury good industries. It's like. It's the politics behind it, man. I mean, there's so much politics in our industry um, in every facet of what we do. And like from the ratings to certain groups and like associations to think like there is absolutely I've seen it. I had a friend who had a brand and I'll leave everything nameless so that I'm, I'm PC. But the friend paid the magazine and they were like, okay, well, if you give us this much, we'll do a full feature story on you. Plus we promise you a spot in the top 10 um, at the end of the year. And we will give you two ratings over the course of the year. So they did it all in one issue, but it was hilarious because it was like, Oh, okay. And then I've seen, you know, there's certain criterias. Oh, you got to be an X number of accounts before i think that's why on some of the bigger ones there's a certain set of criteria that mm-hmm. um has to occur before they will rate your cigar but even that it's all it is is me saying yeah i'm in x amount of accounts and then i'm available to be reviewed there's no actual like so what that says to me is like okay so the standard is movable so how reliable is it you know, and I, as a retailer many, many years ago, watched uh, a fight, n- not a verbal fight, break out between a manufacturer and and a publication. And at that, um, it was at the trade show when I was a retailer and the guy said, well, you can kiss your sponsorship goodbye. <laughs> and... Uh, they have never been rated since, but they were paying for like probably 50, like probably 15% of the ads to 20% of the ads were just that group. And maybe they have been rated, but it's never been very kindly to that too. And so you can watch these things unfold. And like, it's like, it's like anything, man, there's not a perfect system just because I say like, why don't we just all love each other? And like, you know, or whatever there's politics and I get it. And like, I hope to be involved in some of that aspect of it, because I would really like to see some positive change. And it has nothing to do with my brand, but it does have to do with the industry as a whole. Right. Like if you keep just promoting the same thing, then what ends up happening is you're not allowing for the new to come in. But the new is what actually changes our industry and betters our industry because it brings in a new audience. Mm-hmm. And so if we only focus on what's already there, we're just fucking ourselves as an industry because what, when my cigar sells, it still helps the industry as a whole because there's people smoking and enjoying cigars. And so like, it, it's not about me versus them. It's about, Hey, can we stop for a second and like realize even on the political front on all of like all the organizations our industry has like there has it sounds so cliche to say we need a united front but it is so so fucking true like because i've been the retailer i've been the sales rep i've been the national sales manager and now i'm an owner like what area of this industry have i not gotten i need to jump in media next (laughs) right no no but i mean like we need change and we need positive change. Like, and I don't want to sit around and like just bitch about what's wrong, but like voices like mine that want to see the betterment of our industry, 
like I, I, I hope that we'll say the old guard because that's a good term to use. I think I hope that the old guard is open to people coming in and saying, Hey, it may not, like, I don't have the history. I didn't come from Cuba. I didn't like, I don't, I'm not fifth generation tobacco. I'm not a farmer. I'm not a master blender, but I can offer something to this industry. And like, if you let me, I will help put my blood and sweat into helping it for everyone, you know, and there's, there's a bunch of people and brands I think that want that have that same voice. And I think, you know, I'd love to see ratings be done away with entirely, entirely. It does. It, it helps the number one spot for like two weeks. That's it. It doesn't do anything. Tell us, since we're at the end of our little time together, tell us about the two cigars that Wildfire has to offer right now. And if there are any more blends planned for the near future. So launched with the single. Well, they came out at the same time due to just bottlenecking of tobacco to make sure they came out. Um, but the single was a 10 count limited release. I did 750 boxes of um, one blend, one size. And it's exactly what a single is like a band would drop. It was my debut straight to the point. Here it is. It's what I wanted to showcase as far as like something with elegance Um and then and that is on the shelves but it's gone so if you get it on the shelves cool try it but it's 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 already done and then the revivalist which is my first of my regular production which is a bit more of a a rustic cigar what i was talking about kind of earlier what i was going for like earthy like just something that like makes me feel like what i want to smoke at a campfire it's not, it's not like a fire cured or anything, but it just, it's what I want to smoke when I'm like, I imagine myself like a cowboy with some burnt coffee and I'm sitting there on it and I'm singing songs of like home on the range. And it's like the cigar I want to smoke at that moment. And so that's the cigar I made. And I called it the revivalist because it's like, this is, I'm, it's like the old, Big tent revivals, right? The preacher goes out to the town and he, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah, you're healed, right? So I wanted to like, just, it's like, I'm going out and doing the same thing. I'm just presenting my cigar, presenting me. And like for anyone who's willing to like be a part of it and listen, then, you know, that's, that's what it is. So it's more of a symbolic name. There is more to come. Um, I have a cigar that we will release for the anniversary, like one year anniversary. Um, that's probably the next thing because I am working on another regular production, but it's not, I'm not near completion on that, but I'll roll out a portfolio, but it's just got to be slow and, you know, one thing at a time. Cool. Well, how can people keep in touch with you and keep in touch with your brand? My number is, Five, five, five. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just. Um, so on Instagram, you can go to Wildfire Cigars. Uh, the California Hillbilly, which is my personal one. If you want to follow a little bit more bizarre of an account that's not as cigar related. It's just more my life. Um, and yeah, uh, I just got a Facebook thing, but I haven't said like I wasn't on Facebook at all. So I just set up a Facebook thing and then I'll make a wildfire for that. So I don't have that yet. And uh, my website will be up shortly, which probably no one will ever go to because no one goes to websites anymore. Um, and then you'll just see me out on the street, you know, walking down and you'll be like, hey, I know that guy. You come up and say hi and I'll say hi back. And we'll become friends. And that's how you find me. Well, I hope to see you at a trade show. Um, I didn't go to any trade shows this year. So maybe maybe 22. <laughs> I plan to be at, at at least one or two in 2022. Um, so hopefully I'll see you there. And uh, I am planning to try out your cigars at some point. Um, you will not see a rating because 
as you know, I do not do ratings, but <laughs> I give my two cents, which is usually I tell people, I was like, yeah, the draw was good. <laughs> I didn't have to relight it. So you get a point for that. Um, really simple. I've stuff. this like 20 times today. So, <laughs> so I, I look forward to, to rating how many times I have to relight it and uh, try it out. But I'm looking forward to trying out your cigars and seeing, watching this uh, new venture of yours. Because I'm pretty sure it's exciting to finally, probably for you to, to break my monotony that you were going through. And now you get to have something completely where it's like not totally uh, predictable what you, you're going to go through and being on the other, the other side of the spectrum of not only being a salesperson, but a brand owner now, um, which I know you had a, a stake in Caldwell, but to now it's, this is really like your brand and you're shaping all the different aspects of it. So I know it's, it's different. Yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting. Like it's a bunch of things, but it is exciting. Like I wake up and I'm like, what the hell? Like, how did I get here? This is amazing, you know, and I feel like really blessed that I get to like do it. I know that sounds like cheesy, but I mean, honestly, like I got people that agreed to like believe in me and a vision that I had. And like, that's pretty cool. Like a lot of people, like we all dream, but how many of those things actually get to like come to fruition, you know? So, I mean, like, I'm just stoked to like be along for the ride. And then I'm like, wait, but it's also my ride. This is amazing. So, yep. like, you know, uh, it's weird. It's definitely weird. But it's cool, too. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and spending an hour and seven minutes with little old me uh, talking about your brand. Well, don't don't talk about how tall you are. You're, 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 you're <laughs> that is true. I'm a miniature size. <laughs> you're perfect size. You and Tony are perfect size. You're like hug fun size. Yeah, fun size. Exactly. I'm gonna put you in my pocket. We're gonna hang out. We're gonna go to the club. And I'll be like, I only have to pay admission for one. And then you're like, Antoine, be quiet. Hold on. No, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And like, thanks for letting me share a little more of my story. Thank you so much. And I look forward to whatever our next uh, conversation is. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks for having me. Thank you.